Welcome to Refuge Fellowship Online. It's just great to be back again. Uh, you know, last week was pretty uh, crazy. As you've seen as we recorded it, we had all sorts of things going on. Uh, we had the power going off, the doorbells ringing. We're just really, I'm praying this week that we're not going to have so many distractions. So, I, you know, I just pray the same over your home. Um, you know, as we sit down to worship the Lord, as to study our word, to see what God would reveal to us, I just pray against the distractions of the world, that we would just be able to focus and just take some time just to be quiet with God, that he would speak to us through his word. Now today we, actually, we are going to take communion. So I have my juice and my bread right here, and I would just ask that here sometime soon you would go ahead and make sure to have the elements ready, because at the end of the service today we will take communion. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. What a special chapter that we get to get in today, Lord. As we study the book of John in chapter 17, Lord, we see a prayer, the longest prayer recorded in the Bible. The prayer that you pray the very hours before you would be betrayed, hours before you would be crucified. Your heart just poured out. Lord, as you poured out your heart to the Father that night, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us today. That our hearts would be open to be, just to receive a word from you. That you would just pour out your word unto us today, Lord. That we would take something from today, Lord, that could just be applied to our lives this very day, Lord. That we could come to understand just a little bit more about who you are and what you would ask of us. And how, and how, Lord, that we could be the, the people, the, the husbands, the wives, the children the teachers, the whatever role you have put in how, Lord, we can be Christians inside of that worldly role that we live in. So, Lord, I just praise you, and I thank you so much for this opportunity. I just pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time and be with us, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Again, welcome to Refuge Fellowship Online. If you're with us today, make sure and comment below. We want to see you're there. Please, if you have prayer requests, please just... Type in right now your prayer request, or if you have some praise reports, please just let us know so we can praise the Lord with you also. We, uh, you know, I have to say, I really miss all you guys. I'm really missing fellowshipping over at the building, but we are a church with no walls. So even though we are dealing with this lockdown and coronavirus, we will still worship, we will still fellowship, we will still say in God's word. Today we are in John chapter 17, so... Make sure and have your Bibles out today. You need your Bibles. I know we have the words up there, but it's important to be in God's Word. So make sure everyone's got your Bibles and you can get them opened up to John chapter 17. You know, it's interesting as we've been studying through John. We've been seeing how Jesus is he's sharing with the disciples. He's, I believe he's sharing what he felt was the most important lessons that each of them would need to learn before he left them. If you turn back to your Bibles, make sure they're open. Turn back to John chapter 14, just a few pages back. Over the last few weeks, we've studied this through John. And we've seen in John chapter 14 how Jesus, he explained how he was the way, right? But also, if you look in the second part of John chapter 14, we also saw that Jesus was the way, but he also promised us a helper, an advocate. He promised us the Holy Spirit. Then we studied John chapter 15. You can see there that Jesus taught us an important lesson about abiding in him. That if we will remain in him, if we will abide in him as he abides in us, there will be fruit. But then in the second half of 15, we saw a warning from Jesus. 
He he didn't want us to be discouraged. He didn't want our faith to be wavered. He wanted us to know that us, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, would face persecutions. So he showed us here in this chapter the world's hatred for him, and we would also experience that as Christians as we walk through this world. And let's look at 16, chapter 16. We've learned here about the work of the Holy Spirit, how he will never, ever abandon us, that we have the Holy Spirit. But what's amazing is that that chapter, as it went on, we learned about sorrows and joy. We have sorrows and we have trials and we're going to have different things that have happened to us. But Jesus promises here that this sadness, he will transform this into amazing joy, abundant joy and peace. Just amazing as we've gone through these last passages. As we continue, um, we, we just got to remember that these passages, these lessons, and this prayer today is right, right before Jesus' crucifixion, only hours away. So if you could just put yourself in that story, just imagine. And you know, it's, it's especially, you know, as we face different times with this coronavirus and the passing of dear friends, I just imagine if you knew, as Jesus knew, that this was your last night on earth, that you only had a few more hours to talk to your children, to speak to your loved ones, what would you do? What lessons would you teach them? How would you spend your time? What lessons, if you had a chance, only a few hours, what lessons would you try to teach them knowing you only had a few hours left in this world? Think about that question. You know, I thought about this. I turned 43 years old this week. And in 43 years, I thought about all the things that I've learned, all the mistakes I've made. What would I do? How would I answer that question? I think the best advice that I could give after the time that I've had is that I would take all the mistakes I've made and I would look at my life now and I would see what I have today. And I, I do. Today I have a peace and I have a joy. And I have this, this peace and joy that I have in my heart, it does surpass all the things going around in the world today. Even though I experience some emotion still and I sometimes get a little frustrated and even face some anger once in a while. But underlying, underneath that is a joy and is a peace. And I thought about that. If I had one thing that I'd want to share... It would be about Jesus. So I want to turn your Bibles, turn back, hold your finger right there at John chapter 17, because we're going to get there. But first I want to turn back to Matthew. Go back to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. This is, I think, if I had one thing I could share with my loved ones, knowing I was going to leave this world, I think this is what I would share in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Let's read this. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I know my loved ones will face all the things that we face in this world. They're going to face sickness. They're going to face grief. They may even face some persecution. They're going to face all these different trials that we face as Christians living in this world. But if you will look at this passage, if you will look at this, as it says in in verse 36, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses, if we will follow this, we have security, we we will have joy, we will have peace, even as we face all the different trials of this world. And when you think about it, what matters most? 
what is the one thing that you could hope to give your kids? What is the one that inheritance that you'd hope you could pass on? Or the single lesson? This is the single lesson I would hope to pass on to my children. Because if they have this, if they love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind, and then they'll love their neighbor as themselves, you know, if they'll do this, if they will make God number one in their life, all these other things in the world seem to work their way out. And I just want to make sure that my loved ones understand this and how important it is to have a relationship with Jesus. I would pray for them. I would pray that they would have God's continued protection. They would continue to receive God's mercy, His grace. And this would be just poured out throughout their entire lives through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives. So what would be the greatest inheritance you could give another person? What's the greatest inheritance you could give your children, your loved ones? I think it's without a doubt, without any question at all, it's the gift of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, before we begin this study in John chapter 17, you can start turning there. I ask myself, are there other stories like this in the Bible? In John chapter 17, we see Jesus in this prayer, this prayer for the disciples, for the world, right before he'll face crucifixion. So were there others? patriarchs in the Bible that gave their last testimony or their or a prayer to God to their loved ones before they passed. And it was interesting that I was thinking about that in my daily Bible reading. I read my Bible every day and I have a, a, a sheet here. You can see it. Each day there's some scripture to read and if I read through this, I will read through my entire Bible in one year. And as I was reading through just today, I actually was reading a passage in 1st Kings. Why don't we turn there? Let's right where this was. 1st Kings. 1st Kings, chapter 2, verse 2. David is going to share, King David is going to share his final instructions with us. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and the laws written in the law of Moses, so that you will be successful in all you do and whatever you and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise He made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. This, again, this is David's final instructions. I just love how he says, they should and follow me faithfully with all of their heart and soul. Let's look at another one. Let's look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 33.3. This is Moses. And this is a real short one. We're not. It's a blessing that he gives to the people. We're only going to read one verse in it today. Deuteronomy 33.3. Indeed, he loves his people. All his holy ones are in his hands. They follow in his steps and accept his teaching. So, again, in Moses' final blessing for the people, you can see his guidance to them is they follow in his steps and they accept his teaching. So, as we get into the scripture today, in Jesus' prayer, I just, again, I think that what would be my final prayer? What would be my final instructions? What what would I hope that I would be able to teach the people around me if I only had a few hours and one final lesson to teach them? So let's, John chapter 17, let's turn there. Now, 
we should I should have this is this is John 17 it's a prayer of Jesus so I think just real quick before we get into this John chapter 17 I want to ask you a question what is prayer we've heard this every day as a Christian right what is prayer think about that for a moment what is prayer you know as you try to answer that question Whenever we have questions such as these, the best place to find the answers is always in God's Word. So I just want to turn, we're not going to do an exhaustive study on what is prayer today, but I just want to look at a few scriptures just to give us a, a reminder of what prayer is before we study Jesus' prayer. So let's turn real quick to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15. I'm just going to read the second part of that verse. When he says, well, I'll read the whole thing, because it's kind of funny. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Think about that. In the manner or the fashion that she was praying, she'd be accused of drinking. Isn't that something? That's how she was, I'm sure, so loud, so boisterous, uh, so outgoing, maybe even screaming, yelling. I don't know her exact, but she was pouring out her heart in such a way those that would look upon her and look at her prayer would almost think maybe she had been drinking too much. Obviously, probably a pretty emotional prayer in the context of this here. Let's look at another scripture. Let's go to Job 8.5. Job chapter 8, verse 5. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty. You can see here, we're seeking the favor of God when we pray. I do like this, but also it says the Almighty. Remember, as we pray, we must always acknowledge who we're praying to. Let's look at one more verse before we go on. In Psalm, Psalm 73, 28. Are you there? Make sure to have your Bibles open. But as for me, how good is it to be near God? I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. We see in this verse, this is a way that we draw close to God. This is, He is our shelter, is where we go, is a relationship with God. I just love that verse. So just a quick, small reminder on what prayer is. Prayer is a way that we can communicate with God directly. Just as we would talk to our closest friend, we can talk to God. I think some people make prayer a complex thing or a difficult thing. When we pray, it's just like we're talking to someone right there. We can tell them about our day. We can tell them how we're feeling. We can thank him for all he's done in our lives. We can just talk to God. Prayer is also, as we look at it, it's a way that we strengthen our relationship with God. And it's also a form of worship. We worship God in prayer. Jesus is going to show us in these passages today a beautiful, beautiful example of prayer. Because Jesus is going to pour his heart out to God. Just think about that. Jesus is going to pour his out, heart out to God the very night of his arrest, his betrayal, and then hours before his crucifixion. Just think of that. Again, I hope you still got your finger in John chapter 17. Because Jesus, I'm just excited. So as we begin, there's three main parts to John chapter 17. You can look for them as we go through it. The first part you'll see is Jesus is praying to God, asking for his request. The second part, really what you'll see is Jesus praying for the disciples. 
And the third part you're going to see is Jesus praying for all the world. But I want to ask you questions, too. Write these questions down if you've got a chance. You can even write them inside of your Bible on the index. Think about that in this whole of John chapter 17. What are Jesus's prayer requests? I asked you earlier, and I please, text us, message us your prayer request so we can pray with you. But think about this is Jesus's prayer request to God. What are Jesus's prayer requests? Again, I asked, if you have praises this week, please text us. Let us know so we can praise the Lord with you. Jesus, what is Jesus' praises in this prayer here? How is he praising God? And then comes the big question, as we will see after studying this through the next two weeks, is how should we pray? This is going to be part one today of part two. We won't get through the whole chapter today. Let's read John chapter 17, verse 1. Now remember, as we read this, Jesus is preparing the disciples for what is about to take place. He's, he's leaving them. John chapter 17, verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. I read this first verse and I remembered I remember that this prayer, you've got to think of the context. This prayer comes right after all these different lessons that we just talked about through John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So Jesus is, he's taught these disciples all these lessons, and now he's going to pray. So think about that. There's a great example right there for ourselves. We have a teaching, we learn about God's word, and then we take it before the Lord. Now look at this verse again. Look closely. Jesus begins with saying, the hour has come. The time has come. Jesus knew in his divine nature that the time had come. The cross was nearing. That the payment of the world's sins was just right around the corner for Jesus. Jesus knew exactly, exactly what was going to take place. And yet, still, his concern is for the disciples and for the world as he's ready to freely give his life for the payment of each of our sins. If you look back at that verse, Jesus continues, and you see he starts with, glorify your son. Right? Then he continues, so your son, so he can give glory back to you. What does that mean? That Jesus, what it means is Jesus will honor the will of the Father. He will fulfill whatever God has called him to do. He will fulfill his purpose. And whenever there's obedience for any of us to God, we glorify God. There's always rejoicing and joy whenever there's obedience. This is what glorified the Father. His Son being obedient to be that perfect sacrifice that the world then would be able to have a relationship with the Father. We know the Father is glorified when we present ourselves, just as Jesus did as a living sacrifice. So let's turn to, I'm going to look at a verse real quick. Let's turn to Romans Chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way that we worship him. You know, as I read that, as Jesus is here saying to glorify your son so we can give glory back to you. 
Are we doing that? Are we offering ourselves to God as Jesus did in obedience for his glory? It's a big question. Let me ask that again. Are we, each of us, are we offering ourselves to God as Jesus did in obedience for his glory? Are we following Jesus' example with our own prayer life as Jesus prayed here? I think another question. Are we concerned daily that our lives, our actions, our prayers, everything that we do is glorifying God? Do we at the end of the day look back? Was I glorifying to God today? Do you think about that? Do you question that? Because that was... This is how Jesus is starting this prayer that he would be glorifying to God through himself being glorified. Some difficult questions, and I know we're never going to get it perfect, but it's something we got to bring up, something that we got to think about this week. Each morning when we awake and when we say our prayers, saying, Lord, let whatever you have for me today, whatever I would do, be glorifying for you. Then as we lay our head down at night, we can look back and examine our day and say, was everything I did glorifying to you? Difficult sometimes, but this is what Jesus is showing us here. Look again back at this passage. I noticed another example that Jesus has given us. Look at the verse. How did Jesus pray? It said that Jesus looked up to heaven. Jesus, he looked up to the one to whom he was praying to. Now, this this was the traditional method that one would pray in Jesus' time. But I wonder today, you know, I it's not normally today, right? We put our hands together, we bow our head, we close our eyes. That's there's nothing wrong with that. But how much more intimate is it the way probably Jesus prayed? Are you okay with it? I'm sure as it doesn't say it here, but I think we know by Jewish tradition, he probably also raised his hands eyes open, he looked to the heavens and then he prayed this. He said glorify your son so he can give glory to you. Have you ever prayed like that? You know, it's funny as I thought about that. I, I, I don't know if I really ever have. Um, I think at the end of the sermon today, perhaps I will. To put your hands up, to extend your hands out to the Lord, to look up to the heavens and to address the Lord in that way. You know, it's, I thought about this for our children. We teach our children how to have conversation with another person, how to speak to another person. We always tell them, when you speak to someone else, look at them right in the eye, right? Are you looking at me? And speak directly to them and look at them, right? We teach our children this. So why would we pray any different when we speak to Jesus? Why wouldn't we look towards him when we speak to him? Again, I'm not saying closing our eyes and putting our heads down in reverence is a bad thing. But I don't think it's a bad thing maybe also to switch it up and open our eyes and look towards him and pray that way also. I don't know. One thing I do know, when we do pray, we need to make sure that we do it with a sincere heart, a reverence, a submitted heart, a submitted mind. And also, when we pray, we need to acknowledge uh, who we are praying to. And also, I think it's always good as we acknowledge who we're praying to, to also acknowledge what he's done for us. And then also to be always praying in Jesus' name. Let's move on. Let's read verse 2. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. 
this this verse explains that it is Jesus. It's Jesus who has authority, which is that authority is given by God. This authority is given to grant eternal life to all those that will come to faith. All those that will believe that it is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, as you look look, there's some more. There's a lot in these verses. It's amazing. It's also clear as you look at that. There's something else there. What's it say? He gives eternal life he's given him. For you have given him authority over everyone. And this is the way to have eternal... Oh, to know you. To know you. Just think about that. To know the only true God, Jesus Christ. When he says know you, I think this is more than a worldly knowledge. You say, you can ask a lot of people, do you know who God is? Do you know who Jesus is? Yeah. They say, yeah, I know who Jesus is. It's not what he's talking about here, is it? This is much, much, much more personal. Let's turn to Ephesians. Go eat popcorn. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 through 32. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Think about that as we talk about prayer. It says, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. I want to read a quote, a quote from John Piper. He says, as God made man in his own image, so he made earthly marriage in the image of his own eternal marriage with his people. So turn back to John chapter 17. We're looking at verse 2. This know you, it's a personal relationship. But it's more than just a personal relationship. It's a very intimate relationship. It, this is what Jesus seeks with all of us, this, to know you, an intimate relationship. So as we say this, I've got to ask you the question. How would you describe your relationship with God? We just looked at a quote. We just looked at a verse in Ephesians. How would you describe your relationship with God? Is your relationship with Jesus as intimate as one would have between a husband and a wife? One thing we can know through these relationships is knowing Jesus is an experience. It's a real life experience. If you truly know Jesus, if you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, you have experiences with him, just as you have with those that are closest to you in this world. Think about it that way. Very interesting. John chapter 17. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus has brought glory to the Father by being faithful to what he was called to do. We know that. But now, as we're looking at this, the very night of his crucifixion, the final work of the cross was right there before Jesus. Now this, this would be when the work here on earth for Jesus would be finished. We read in these verses that once the work on the cross was complete, then Jesus again would share with the Father the glory. He would be united again with the Father. He'd be united with him. If you look at that verse, before the, with the glory they shared before the world began. It's amazing when you read that. 
when you think about that. Now, as we're, we're going to move on here to the next verse, but as we move on, Jesus' prayer is now going to change. He was praying for himself here, but now it's going to change as he starts to pray for the disciples. Jesus knew, he knew he was leaving. He knew that the disciples were going to face extremely, extremely sad, difficult, they were going to be grieving. This is going to be extremely difficult times. So let's look at verse 6. I have revealed to you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Look at verse 7. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Verse 8. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. The disciples, they've walked with Jesus for three years. Now he's leaving. Jesus had fulfilled his purpose. God's name had been displayed to the disciples, we see in these verses. God had been revealed through Jesus to the disciples. God had been personally made known to the disciples. The disciples had came to believe that Jesus was God. So Jesus now has fulfilled the will of God. It says, I have passed on to them the message you gave me. You know, as I read that, Jesus had passed on the message you gave me. We all heard this and we know we're called to follow the example of Jesus. We're also, just as Jesus says here that he has passed on this message, we also are called to go out and share the message, to go out and share the good news, to share the gospel. And then also, just as Jesus is praying for the disciples here, we would also pray for those. We would pray that they would hear, that they would come to accept, they would come to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we see this, we have a responsibility to go out and share that message. Let's, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 28. So everyone knows these verses. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. It says, Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus praying here, and he's going to continue to pray for us in these next few verses. I just wonder, are, are we following this example that Jesus is giving you? Are we praying for the disciples? Are we going out and sharing the message? Are we praying that they would be equipped to follow the, God's calling on each of their lives? Let's go. Let's look, look at nine through twelve. Back in uh, John chapter seventeen, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world; they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them, so not one was lost except for the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. As I read this, and I starting really in, start right there in verse 9, I asked, who are these people here? He's, he says, my prayer is not for the world. I was wondering then, who is Jesus not praying for? Is he not praying for the unfaithful? Is he not praying for those that would reject Jesus? Obviously, he says this prayer is not for the world. 
I can tell you one thing after reading this for sure, though. He is praying for each one of us. So I'm assured of that. Let's look at the other verses as it continues, starting with verse 10. Let's talk about those you have given me. You see that in there? Those you have given me, right there in verse 10. Again, in these passages, we're seeing an intimate relationship between a believer and God. I'm going to try my best to explain this. Um, how we belong to both Jesus and we also belong to God. We are we know we're in communion with God through Jesus. And that, once we have come to faith in Jesus, we belong as God's children, right? So I'm going to keep trying to explain this in a, the best I can. It's, it's, so we are children of God. When you think about that, we're children of God. It's like saying, who does a child belong to? Does he belong to the father? Or does a child belong to the mother? Maybe that depends on how they're acting that day. I don't know. But when we belong to, do we belong to God? Do we belong to Jesus? Do we belong to the Holy Spirit? How does that work? How does, how does a child belong to either the father or the mother? Does he belong to both? We know because of Jesus that we belong to God. And we also know that God is manifested in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you can't separate who we belong to. We are united to God in one through Jesus. Jesus, he's given us this privilege, this relationship, as a child of his, as a child of God. But as we have this now and we're united with God, we're still here living in this world. That's why we see this prayer here, I believe, from Jesus. Because Jesus is praying for us because we're still here in this world. He knows that we need protection. But when he prays for protection, look at the verse. How does he pray for it? He prays for it in the power in the name of God. That's just amazing when I think of that. Now, Jesus, he's leaving. We know that. So he would no longer face the troubles and the trials of this world. But the disciples would, as we do. So Jesus, he experienced all the, the temptations and he experienced all the all the things in this world remain sinless but he understands he understands how difficult it is to face these things of this world I believe that's why he's here and this is why he's praying for us he was burdened to pray for us in this fashion because he knew what we would face as Christians in this world and he's covering each of us personally in prayer. We read in verse 11, look at verse 11. It says, in the end of verse 11, it says, that they will be united just as we are. So I, as I look at that, that united just as we are, I, I think there's really two parts of that. I think, first of all, Jesus' prayer that we would be united to Jesus, to God, just as Jesus and God are. But I also think that we also need to be united to the church in the same manner that Jesus and God were united. You know, it's funny as I think about that. Each of us, we look at all the people out there, all the people that are part of the church, and we're so different, so different from each other. Some of us, no pointing fingers, are even a little bit strange. Some of us got weird haircuts. Some of us speak different languages. Some of us come from all different parts of the world. There's some of us that speak 
different languages. There's some that are educated. There's some that aren't educated at all. They can barely read. There's some that are very have some money or wealthy. There's some that are very poor. There's a lot of us that have very different opinions, even opposing opinions about how the world should be ran. Each of us have very different abilities. Some are amazing cooks, while some are just better maybe just to wash the dishes. Some of us maybe can build anything with our hands. We're very crafty that way, while others don't know which end of the hammer to even grab a hold of. You know, honestly, some of us are just kind of weirdos, but that's what helps make the rest of you think you're all normal, right? All that said, as I just gave this huge list of how different we are, the different abilities, different languages, different social class, some upper class, some lower class, some of us just have no class. Jesus said in all of that, we are to be united under God. Each of us are to be united in God, each of us out there to share the good news of Jesus Christ and who he is. Just think of that. All of them different personalities and different giftings, and we're united in Christ to go out and share the good news. A last thought about these, these few verses. Think about this. He's praying for protection, right? He's praying in the name of Jesus. He's praying, just think about this, the same power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that he's asking that would protect you. Jesus is praying over you with that same power that you'd be protected from the evil one. That just blows my mind when I think about that, that Jesus himself is praying over each one of us personally, personally, that we would each be protected from Satan. And he's also praying again that we'd each be united with God as he is. Because, you know, if we are united in God, if we are kept in God... We, if we're kept in God, right, as we look at that, we will be kept from sin, we will be kept from pride, false teachings, and we will be kept from most all the other things of the world that would draw us away from our faith in Jesus. Now, as far as the verses today in John chapter 17, we're going to stop there this week. Uh, we'll continue in part two next week. But I asked some questions as we started today. What were the questions I asked? I said maybe you should break them down inside of your Bibles. I asked you, what were Jesus' prayer requests? I asked you, what were the praises that Jesus gave to God? And then I asked you, after reading this, how should we pray? I hope you wrote them down. I hope that you would meditate and look at these passages this week and try to answer that. Because there's, there's a lot of answers inside of this as we see the example from Jesus on how to pray. I did see five lessons that I want to go through today's, in today's text. So let's look at them five lessons. First, when I saw that Jesus prays that God would glorify him so he could glorify God. It's a lesson there for us. I asked it earlier, but I think it's important we look at it again. Is this how we start each of our days, praying that God would be glorified through us? Is that what we think about when we get up? And is that how we pray that this would happen today? The other one I, I thought of, the lesson two I saw. Jesus he poured himself out to God in prayer. Think about my own prayer life. Am I pouring myself out in prayer to God? Is that how what my prayers look like? Or is it really just lip service? Just something I do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Or am I pouring myself out to God? A third thing I see here from Jesus. He was obedient. He was obedient to God. Then I have to ask myself, am I following that example each day? 
Am I being obedient to God's word? Do I pray to that myself each morning. Lord, let me be obedient to your word. And then in the evening, do I examine my day and look back and pray and go, Lord, was, was I glorifying to you in obedience to you today, Lord? Is there anything that, how did I do today? The fourth thing I see here is Jesus shared the message. We see that in there. He shared with the disciples the message of who he was. So again, are we following that example? Are we sharing the gospel message with the world around us? Have we gone out and shared with someone this week the truth of who Jesus is and how much he loves him? The fifth thing I see is that Jesus was united with God. And he's praying that each of us would have that same unity with not only God, but with the church. Are we united in Christ and with the church? If you are a believer, we can see here through this John chapter 17 that Jesus is having he's having intercessory prayer for you. He's praying to the Father God for you, praying that we would be able to remain faithful no matter what we face in this world. As we walk through this world as followers of Jesus, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying that you would have his protection. Today is the first of the month, and today I want to take communion. And so if everyone does have their juice and their bread, we're going to take communion. And as I think today, we're going to go ahead and turn your Bibles now, but I want to talk for a minute. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be in verse 23. Today, as we have heard, this week has been difficult hearing the news of Haman. And as we take communion today, we know Haman and we know how she loved to dance. And I remember one of the first times I ever met Haman, she came up to me and she was going to lead worship and Stephen had introduced us and she came up to me and she asked me, she says, is it okay if I dance for Jesus when I lead worship? And our fellowship, I have to admit, and I don't know if it's good or bad, it's really never done that before. We never had someone up there dancing as they led worship. And I remember thinking, well, what would the people think? And I started questioning in my mind. And, you know, then I thought, you know, Haman, if you want to dance for Jesus, Haman, you dance for Jesus. If you want to lift up your voice up there, you just praise the Lord. That's what I want you to do. And I told her that. And she led worship for us. And I really learned a lot from her as I watched her. She just had a love and a passion for the Lord that we can all learn from. That she was not so concerned with what others would think. But she was more concerned that she was just worshiping the Lord and praising Him. As we take communion, it's a time of remembering the promises that Christ has given us. It's a time that we remember that we have eternal life. That we can rejoice, even in our grief, that we know that Haman is dancing in Jesus' arms right now. That she is worshiping with him right now. So as we take communion, just reflect on the promises that we have. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So as we take this bread and this juice today, 
We do this in remembrance of Jesus, but we also do do this today in remembrance of the promise that we have in knowing that Haman is with our Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did on that cross, on the cross. So please pray with me, and we will take the bread and the juice together afterwards. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you, Lord, just broken people, Lord, not understanding all the things that take place in the world, not understanding the timing of why things happen, or not understanding why certain people leave this earth earlier than maybe we think they should. We come just in faith, Lord, faith in you that things that we just don't understand, Lord. We don't understand why, but we trust you, Lord. And we just surrender this situation, Lord, as we're talking about this, in obedience to you, and just trust you, Lord. Lord, as we see this bread, Lord, we just thank you for that promise that we have, knowing that we have eternal life. We have eternal life from the moment that we accept you in faith. It begins then. And then, when this body passes, Lord, we know we know that we'll be with you because you, you allowed our sins to be placed on you. You allowed your body to be broken, Lord. You allowed, Lord, your blood to be poured out as a covering once and for all for all of our sins, past, present, future. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for Haman, Lord, for the time that we knew her, Lord. And Lord, as we observe this communion, Lord, this Lord's Supper, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. And Lord, I just pray for their family, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give them comfort. You would give them peace. You would give them a joy that could only come from you, Lord, that they would know. They may not understand, Lord, but they would know that she is with you. And she is experiencing your love in a way that it's just we can't even understand at this point, Lord, just to be in your glory, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that, Lord. And we observe this. We observe this promise and this covenant by today, by taking communion, Lord. And we just praise you and thank you for what you did for each of us, Lord. Lord, just be with us this week, Lord. Be with us and show us how we can come alongside all those around us, Lord. Show us, Lord, how we can be obedient to you. Show us how we can bring glory to you, Lord. Lord, show us how we can share the gospel for those that don't know you, Lord. Lord, just let us examine our lives, Lord, and see you've prayed these things for us, Lord. You've prayed these very things for us, Lord. Let us look at these things in these passages, Lord, and see if we are following your example. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, joining Refuge, Refuge Online. I just pray as you face the different emotions and the grief and the different things that you'll have to walk through as we've lost a dear friend. I just pray, Lord, if you'll read, I just pray to the Lord that he would comfort you, that you would seek him in these times, and also reach out to us if you have any questions about why or how to grieve or anything similar. If there's any way we can be praying for you, if there's any way that we can come alongside you in these times if it's walking through losing a close friend or if it's dealing with this coronavirus or maybe you're having other issues of depression or so many different things kind of going on right now in our community if you have anything at all please just reach out to us and let us know how we can come alongside you 
we'd love just to bless you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to worship with you. So I, I we miss you all, and God bless you guys. And make sure and join us uh, next Sunday for part two of John chapter 17, as Jesus will continue to pray for the disciples. But then later, part of 17, he also is going to pray directly for us as the, the believers. So God bless you. Have a blessed week. And again, please reach out to us if there's anything we can do for you. God bless. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the message, Lord. Father, um, I just pray that you would um, speak to every heart that heard you today, Lord, and um, just speak to each of us and lead us in the way that uh, we should go, Lord. I pray, Father, we would just draw near to you, Lord Jesus. Um, it's only in your name Lord, that we call out that you can do all things, Father. You strengthen us, you heal us, and we pray, Lord, for um, the nations today, Lord, we pray that you would just draw us close to you and they would call out for you, Lord, and that you would prepare their hearts for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.